It's a pleasure to be back with all of you and to be able to preach to you again. Um, if you would, you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 13 as we begin our discussion tonight on missions. God's great plan for His glory to be made known. Missions is God's plan to use His people to proclaim His good news so that all people from every nation might repent of their sins and believe in Jesus Christ as Lord. Missions is more than just taking a week-long trip with our church group, but it's something that's meant to be ingrained into every aspect of our lives. Our lives are meant to be lived on mission to see God's glory known everywhere. But before we get in too deep into what missions is, let's think about what we have learned so far this semester. We have seen God as a glorious creator, good in all his ways and worthy of all of our devotion. We then have seen how we have sinned against God and have separated ourselves from him due to our own sin. And then next we went and we looked at the cross and the resurrection of Jesus and how that has brought redemption to us and given the opportunity for all that believe in him to be saved and restored back to God. And now in these last few weeks we are looking at the consummation of all things, the fact that all things will be made new and be restored to how they were created to be the original design of all things. But why did we wait until right now to talk about missions? It seems like this would have gone great during the cross and resurrection portion, but we saved it until we're talking about consummation, Jesus coming back, all of those things. And well, when you think about it, it really makes sense. First of all, because at this point we've learned the entire story of the gospel from creation to Christ, and now we know deeply the message that we're intended to share when we proclaim the gospel, when we go on mission. And second, we have learned that the return of Christ, his restoration of all things, is only good news for those who have trusted in Jesus. For those that have not trusted in Jesus, seeing the return of Christ and realizing that they have denied their master is not a good thing. And so we want to discuss missions here. With the end of this present age in mind and the coming of Jesus to remind us that there is urgency in our message that we are taking to the ends of the earth. So when we think about it, we are meant to be fervent in missions now so that as many people around the world can be prepared for the return of Christ when he comes for the consummation of all things. And this ultimately will bring God great glory. And so as we look at missions tonight, I want us to be genuine in asking God to do a work in our hearts, to begin our lives living every day on the mission of God to open our eyes and be genuine in asking the Lord to reveal himself to us and reveal if he is calling us to spend our lives on mission, to spend our lives, be genuine and ask him how he wants us to spend our lives on mission, whether that be here or overseas or in whatever capacity it might be. So let's ask, God, are you asking me to spend my life dedicated to the unreached? Are you asking me to spend my life dedicated to the church here? Let's be genuine in praying through and asking these questions tonight as we look at the need for missions around the world. And so as we study, I want us to look at missions through three different questions, okay? And so first, I want us to ask, why do we not proclaim the gospel? Why do we hide the gospel? Second, I want us to ask, why should we proclaim the gospel? Why does it need to be proclaimed? Why is it worthy of being spoken to all people? And third, I want us to ask, how can we proclaim the gospel as Lakeview College Ministry? 
And I want us to think about these questions in light of evangelism here in Auburn and in light of missions to the ends of the earth, around the world, unreached people groups, things of that nature. And so if you would, read with me in Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 17, and we'll begin our study in God's Word. This is the Word of the Lord. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Pray with me and ask for God's blessing. Lord God, we... Pray and acknowledge that this is your word, that it is holy, inspired, inerrant, authoritative, sufficient, and necessary. God, that we need your word to understand you, and we acknowledge that you have revealed yourself to us in it. Lord, we ask that you might teach us through your word tonight, that you might give us eyes to see your glory in your word. God, that you might stir our affections and our hearts to go to the ends of the earth. God, that even tonight you might begin calling people to go to the unreached and raising up students from our college ministry to proclaim your word to the ends of the earth. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for Jesus Christ, your son, and that he is worthy of being proclaimed. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so we see here in this passage that the only way for salvation is to call on the name of Jesus. And then we see that no one can believe in Jesus without hearing about him and without the gospel being preached to them. And so let's start by looking at why don't we proclaim the gospel, that first question. And I think the first reason, um, and the glorious thing is I don't think this is as prevalent in our college ministry or in our church, but one of the main reasons that people don't proclaim the gospel is that they think it's unnecessary. They don't think we need to talk about it. They don't think that people need the gospel, or they just don't realize how urgent and how important it is. And so while I don't think this is as big of a problem in our church, I want to talk about it so that it doesn't subtly creep into our minds and we don't keep silent on the gospel. And one of the ideas of why we believe the gospel is unnecessary is rooted in this idea called inclusivism. Inclusivism is the idea that all people are included in the saving done by Jesus, whether or not they trust in him. This can be through general revelation or through passion for another religion or through moral living or through a belief that Jesus takes the sin of the whole world, no requirements. The idea holds that people don't really need the gospel because they will be okay without it. It takes the pressure off of us in the church for us to be faithful to our mission that God has called us to. But we know because of the faithfulness of our teachers around us that the scriptures are filled with examples of why this cannot be true. And more than that, why this cannot be tolerated in the church. Why we cannot let this become an okay belief in our people. We already saw in Romans 10, 13, that it says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not just everyone will be saved, but specifically who call on the name of the Lord. There's a reason that it gets more specific there and doesn't just leave it general. We can't just throw out the phrase that says everyone will be saved no matter what, no way. That's blasphemy. In Ephesians 2, we see that salvation is by grace through faith, 
not by works, but the gift of God. And that faith is faith in Jesus Christ. Faith is essential for the salvation, and we see that all over Scripture. It always has been this way, even from before Jesus. In Romans chapter 4, it describes how Abraham's faith was counted to him as righteousness, and it will be counted to us who believe in him who raised Christ from the dead. And so this is not a new thing. There have been people trying to proclaim that all people can be saved, that there is a universal salvation for as long as we can go back in history. But this is not true. It's always been the case that it takes faith in Jesus Christ to bring salvation. We see also in John 3.14, when referring to an Old Testament story about um, Moses in the wilderness raising up a serpent of bronze when the people were bit by snakes, they could look at the serpent and be healed. And in John 3.14, it says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Remember that. Whoever believes in him, in Jesus Christ, may have eternal life. Not just anything. And when speaking on this verse, Russell Moore says, the book of Acts explodes with a passionate call for explicit faith in this Jesus whom you crucified. This is precisely what Jesus meant when he compared salvation to Moses' lifting up the bronze serpent in the wilderness. Even as the Israelites were saved from the venomous bites were to look to the emblem, so must those rescued from the death bite of the serpent of Eden look in faith to this particular one who was sacrificed outside the gates of Jerusalem. And so we see in this quote and in scripture all over that there is only one remedy to the curse of sin, and that is the blood of Jesus. Not passion for Allah or Buddha or Krishna, or money, or self, or morality, or anything else. None of that can save. Worship and devotion alone are not what bring about salvation, but devotion to Jesus and worship of our great God is what brings salvation. Confession of sin and belief in Jesus as Lord, belief in the resurrection of Jesus is what brings salvation. We're not given a ticket to heaven for spiritual devotion or moral living or personal accomplishments. The only way for people of this world to be saved is through the blood of Jesus. And so we cannot rely on any other way for people to be saved. It's clear in God's word that there is one way, that there's one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. And so we need to know this and we need to believe this to the core of our beings or we will never have a passion for missions. If we believe that there is any other way to be saved outside the blood of Jesus, it will silence us and keep us from proclaiming the name of Jesus. For if we have any excuse, I've found that we use that excuse to keep ourselves quiet. And so there is no other way to be saved but Jesus. And the good news is that there does not need to be other, any other way to be saved than by Jesus. For he is sufficient to save all who will turn from their sins and to trust in him. And so we see that the first reason that we don't proclaim the gospel is because we often believe it's unnecessary. And I would argue that the second reason that we don't proclaim the gospel is that it's boring. Russell Moore in that same book says, when speaking on why Christians do not participate in the Great Commission, he says, The real problem for most Christians with the Great Commissions is not, first of all, that it's hard. The problem is that it's boring. And don't we often fall into this same trap 
of thinking that fighting a war for the king of all kings and spending our lives on mission for the savior of the universe is boring. We think we can have a better time on beach trips and jet skis than we can serving the God of the universe. And let me tell you, there is no joy like the joy of proclaiming the gospel. Not even seeing sinners repent. While that's more joyous, seeing sinners repent, even just the joy of speaking the truth of Jesus is rich. And so even when it doesn't have the response that you want, when someone doesn't turn from their sins, even just the joy of being able to proclaim the gospel is unmatched by anything that this world has to offer. And yet we fool ourselves to believe that the momentary and fleeting entertainment will satisfy our hearts that were designed and purposed to bring God glory. And we do not believe that there is more joy in proclaiming the gospel than in the things of this world. So that's one of the reasons why up to this point we have not taken the gospel to the ends of the earth. Because we've become content to stay close to home. We've become content to invest our lives in our families or our friends and not to take the time to proclaim the gospel. We've become content to live our lives dedicated to perfecting our bodies, our wardrobe, our professions, our sports skills, while day by day people are being torn from this world and entering into a Christless eternity. We spend our days worshiping sports, music, and any other form of entertainment so that we can numb ourselves to the reality that we are at war with a real enemy and fighting for a real God. And don't get me wrong, I love the Auburn Tigers and I love country music and I believe I can enjoy both of those things to the glory of God, but they cannot become distractions from the ultimate goal of seeing the gospel of Jesus Christ taken to the ends of the earth. And there's often times that we use them as distractions. We use them as numbing medications to take away the actual desire to proclaim God's word. And I'm disappointed to admit that in my life that's been the case sometimes. That I've taken simple things and made them serious distractions to the kingdom work that is meant to be going on. And so don't spend your life feeding some false sense of pleasure that you've been told is worth giving everything for while you could be experiencing the rich joys of seeing sinners redeemed to a holy God. The gospel is not boring. In the gospel there is fullness of joy. And yet we spend our time numbing ourselves with Netflix, TikTok, and ESPN so that our days just tick on without ever speaking of the glories of the cross. So some believe the gospel is unnecessary some believe it's boring. And thirdly, some are too in love with the American dream. We see this more in our older adult population, but we begin to see it even in college. And I think this is mainly the specific reason why we don't share the gospel with the unreached and why we don't go for lifetimes extended to the nations. Because the gospel costs everything to proclaim. God does not call us to comfortable missions, but to selfless missions to God-centered missions, not self-centered missions. And so our eyes have been blinded by the continual inoculation of our culture into every fiber of our beings. We are subtly being pointed to believe that money, jobs, entertainment, and relationships are more desirable than the King of Kings. We are more prone to spend our summers working a high-paying job that will pay dividends for future connections and give us some weight in our pockets for when we come back to school as opposed to spending our summers in Africa, India, China, or the Middle East proclaiming the good news of Jesus. We have boundless access to opportunities at our church to go to the ends of the earth, and yet we stay and work a job or get an internship that will set us up to have better 
to be better set up to have our white picket fence, our good marriage, and our two perfect children. And don't misunderstand me to be saying that working a job or getting an internship is sinful. That is clearly not the case. I believe that that's what God has for some of you each summer, each winter, each semester to work a job, to work an internship. But I also believe that our culture has blinded us to the glory of sacrifice. And I believe he, God is calling us to more sacrifice of our ideal summers and more sacrifice of our ideal jobs and more sacrifice of our ideal lives in order to go and proclaim his name to those that have no access to the good news. And so I firmly believe that there are more people in this college ministry called to go than are going at this time. Our culture has taught us that if we're not always moving in the direction of our future, then this world will pass us up. That we can't afford to spend time serving God or we will never recover and catch up to the people that have made waves and, made, and moved in front of us. Our culture has blinded us to the glory of giving. Brother Al tells us that America teaches us the way to be happy is a four-step process, M-O-R-E, more. Four letters that define the affections of our culture. But I want to show you why this American dream that proclaims more is more like an American nightmare. The American dream and the love of money, which God himself has told us is the root of all kinds of evil, has propelled our country into unprecedented rates of divorce, suicide, depression, anxiety, abortion, single moms, orphan children, and so many other things. The pursuit of selfish gain is heralded in our culture as honorable. Do not be deceived, brothers and sisters. This world offers you no pleasure in comparison to the glories of Jesus Christ. And if you have tasted the joys of Jesus Christ, then you know this, and you have experienced this, and you can vouch for this. The pleasure found in being faithful to God is deep and rich. If I dedicate my life to my own ultimate pleasure, it would be found in the will of God, for there is nothing more pleasing than serving God. Even if that means great sacrifice by our world standards, my deepest pleasure is found in serving God. And so when we look at this, we don't share the gospel because we don't think it's necessary or we think it's boring or we're blinded by our selfish pursuit of worldly gain. And there's more reasons than that, but these are clearly self-evident. And now this may seem discouraging to you, but my hope is not to be discouraging. But my hope is that hope, the Holy Spirit might be convicting us for our lack of faithfulness to one of God's most simple commands. And with that conviction in our hearts, let's look at why we must proclaim the gospel as followers of Jesus Christ and see the joyful motivations of faithfulness in this area of our lives. And so why must we proclaim the gospel? First of all, because it's commanded. If we read in Matthew 28, 18, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the most basic and simple reason that we share the gospel and specifically for why we take the gospel to the ends of the earth, because he commanded us to go to all nations. Our King, our Savior, our Lord has commissioned us to do this work. He chose us to be the vessels to take the gospel to all people in honor that we do not deserve, but an honor that was given to us by the King. 
And this is where we need to remember that the commands of Jesus, the commands of God, are intended for the blessings of his people. These aren't intended to be burdens. These aren't intended to be weights, but they're intended to be blessings for us. And so when God commands us to obey his law, like in the Old Testament, it's, he because that no, he, it's because he knows that such ways of living bring deep, deep joy to those who live in such a way. And in the same way, when God commands us to take the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth through global missions, it's not because he wants us to be miserable or he wants us to live lives that are ruined, but it's because he knows the deep joy of what it's like to live for the glory of God and knows the blessing that a faithful evangelistic life will be for us. And so, yes, we've been commanded as God's people to proclaim his name. Emma Blazing in our MCG last night reminded us that this passage is not known as the great suggestion, but the great commission, you know. And so this is a mission meant for each and every follower of Jesus. It's not merely a suggestion. It's not merely a, hey, in case you have some extra time on your hands, you should share the gospel and take it to the ends of the earth. No, it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. No ifs, ands, or buts. This is my command to you. And so we all have a role to play in the gospel message being made known throughout the world because God has commanded each and every one of us. If he didn't have a role for us in the spreading of his name, he wouldn't have commanded it for all of us, but he did. And in each of those roles, we will be immensely blessed by God because he has good plans for his people and God blesses us through his commands to us. And so this is the first reason it's commanded to us. But the second reason that we need to proclaim the gospel is because people are perishing into a Christless eternity day by day. And so we read in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 22, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. That's the words I want you all to hang on. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And so we see in this passage in Romans 1 that every person everywhere is without excuse before God. It says that they have no excuse because they have seen the glory of God in the creation of the world and everything that has been made. And they have exchanged the glory of God for the images of mortal man, birds and animals and creeping things. And so there is enough evidence in this world and throughout, throughout this world for them to know that there is a God and for them to seek after a knowledge of him. And therefore that makes them accountable for their sins before God. But outside of knowing Jesus Christ, they cannot be redeemed, for he is the only way to be saved. It said that in Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Only those people will be saved. So these people that have never heard are guilty unless they're made innocent by the blood of Jesus, dirty unless they're made clean by Jesus. How are they to call on him who they have not believed? 
And how are they to believe in him who they have never heard? And how are they to hear unless we preach to them? All over the world, billions without even the tiniest knowledge of Jesus are perishing day by day because we have not taken the gospel message to them. And so without ever even hearing the name of Jesus, without hope of repentance, they're perishing away. But we have the ability to change that. We have the good news in our hearts. We have the Bibles with us. And if we had our churches in the United States sending even a fraction of their people to the ends of the earth, the unreached people groups, we could see the gospel taken to every corner of the earth if we would even just send a fraction of our people. But we are stagnant. Whether we believe it's unnecessary or boring or we're blinded by the American dream or even maybe we don't even truly know the gospel ourselves, Whatever it may be, there is a major disconnect between the love that God has for all people and the love that the church has for all people over the world. For if we loved these people all over the world as God loves them, then we would go to them and we would proclaim the gospel to them. It is simple. They are perishing in their sin into a Christless eternity. We have the remedy and yet we keep it from them. The remedy is the God-man Christ Jesus. We must go and proclaim his name. The harvest is plentiful. There are those waiting for truth with no access. And they cannot know it because we are being passive. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. There is good news to be proclaimed, but good news is only good if it gets there on time. And that's why we must go, and that's why we must go urgently. We must proclaim the name of Jesus because every day, every hour, there are those that are dying, trusting in something other than Jesus, and are in turn being rightly cast into an eternity separated from God the Father. And God is perfectly just in separating himself from unforgiven sinners. But he also says that he desires for all to come to know him. He does not retain his anger forever, but delights in showing mercy But as a just God, he cannot show mercy to those who have sins that have not been washed clean. But in his mercy, he sent his son Jesus to make a way for all people who believe in him to be made clean and be restored back to him. And in so doing, he commanded us to take the message of Jesus to all nations so that all people could believe in Jesus and be saved and spend eternity bringing glory to God. So we have a deep, deep responsibility the souls, the lives of those around us all over the world are perishing, and we have the remedy. We have the good news. And so we must go because it's commanded, and we must go because there are people perishing. And lastly, we must go because we are a changed people. Jeremiah 20 verse 9 says, If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, There is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. And Acts 4, 18 through 20 says, So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And so I want you to take a second and think about what Christ has done in your life if you know him. He has saved you, changed you, freed you from sin, freed you from shame. And when we truly think about what Christ has done for us, how could we have any other response than the response of Peter and John? We cannot but help 
but speak of what we have seen and heard. It's as if they're saying, we can't help it. Even if we wanted to not speak of Jesus, we have to, for his glory is too much for us to contain. It's too much for us to keep inside. Or the words of Jeremiah, I am weary of holding in this good news of God inside of me. It is like a fire in my bones that I must speak of it, and I cannot hold it in any longer. This type of response to salvation should be every believer's response. How could we hide the glory of God that has so changed our lives? We have the joy of proclaiming the greatest news in the whole world to people who need it more than anything else. We often forget that when we think of sharing the gospel, that Jesus is better than the world's best thing. The greatest thing that the world has to offer pales in comparison to Jesus Christ. And so these people that we're often afraid to share the gospel with, that we often think will not want anything to do with him, we forget everything that they are casting their affections to is nothing compared to the message that we have to give to him, compared to the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and the forgiveness of sins that can be offered through him. We have the greatest news in the whole world, and yet we keep it hidden. Why would we want to smother a fire of the Holy Spirit and silence the praise of our Savior? We cannot do this. Let us speak of the life-giving name of Jesus to people here and people throughout the world. Our cup of grace overflows with the blood of Jesus Christ, and this overflow should pour out from us and into everyone around us. We should not be able to contain the good news inside of us. If a man has a lamp, does he hide it under a basket? No, of course not. He puts it on a stand so that all can see. And if we have the light of Christ shining inside of us, we should not cover it with our silence. Let us shine the light to the ends of the earth. He is worthy of the glory of all people. And if you know him, he has changed your life forever and ever. And so pray for the boldness to proclaim his name, for he is worthy of it. And so now we've seen the reasons that we don't share the gospel. We have learned why we must share the gospel, because he is worthy of it. And so now let's take a practical look at how we can do that as a college ministry together. How can we share the gospel with the unreached as Lakeview College Ministry? Well, first and foremost, we can share it with international students here at Auburn University. We have access in a university town to people from unreached people groups. There are people from Saudi Arabia, China, Pakistan, and countless countries that come from unreached people groups. I spent a summer working in China after my, freshman, after my senior year of high school, before my freshman year of college, working with a people called the Hui. And I come back to Auburn, and two years later, I meet a Huey man in Auburn that's a college student, and we begin to play basketball together. And so these people that are unreached and have no access to the gospel in their home country have come to Auburn to hear the gospel, and we have an opportunity to proclaim it to them. But yet we often keep quiet, or yet we often keep comfortable with our friends that are like us, that look like us, that talk like us, that sound like us. And we don't even make the time for those that are different, for those that are hurting, for anyone to show them love because they've moved thousands of miles away from their family and their friends. They don't speak the language perfectly, and so they feel outcast. And yet we have an opportunity to welcome them in and say, Jesus Christ offered you a home. So even when you feel homeless, even when you feel like a sojourner, there is one who cares for the sojourner. 
and his name is Jesus. And he gave himself for you on the cross so that you could be saved and redeemed back to him. Those are the people that we have in our own town, in our own classes. When y'all go back on campus full-time in the fall, you will see every class you have will probably have an international student in it. And there will be an opportunity to proclaim the name of Jesus to those people. Another way that we can spend our lives on mission, reaching the unreached, as Lakeview College Ministry, is through summer missions or spring break missions or winter break missions. We have opportunities with Lakeview to go whenever you are able to go, pretty much. Hal Cooper, Cliff Knight, Kevin Webb, all these people are leading trips all the time to go and take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Whether it be London or Russia or wherever, we have opportunities that you can never imagine. And so I, we, I pray that you will be involved in these summer missions, in these spring break missions that you will see the gospel taken to the ends of the earth by saying, I'm willing to sacrifice this internship or this job or going home for the summer in order to see the gospel taken to the ends of the earth. And if you're not able to go, if your parents say that you cannot go and we want you to be obedient to your parents, then let's find ways to give and send others. Because we have opportunities, whether or not it's us going, to send others onto the field and see the gospel taken to the ends of the earth. And so while there's opportunities with international students here in America, there's opportunities, opportunities to go overseas and tell people directly, there's also an opportunity to share the zeal of missions with the people with you every single day, whether that be in your missional community group, whether that be in your Bible study, whether that be in your classes or your roommates or whatever. You have an opportunity to teach people how to share the gospel and teach people the importance and the fact that there is 40% of our world that has never heard the name of Jesus and the fact that it needs the name of Jesus. You can educate people and share the zeal of missions with them so that you can raise up the next generation of missionaries to go and proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so there's opportunities all around us to be involved in the mission of God to the ends of the earth. And so when we think of our role in missions, we think of our motivation, we think of all that is involved in taking the gospel to the nations, our prayer and our longing should be to see Revelation 7, 9, and 10 become a reality, where it says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That should be our hope and that should be our prayer. And so I'll leave you with the words of our pastor that as a follower of Christ, you only have three options when it comes to your participation in the mission of God. You can go, you can send, or you can disobey. May God find us obedient.